0: Recorded live. <laughs>
1: First of all, good evening to everybody. God bless you. Thank you for everyone that's here for our truth on Bible class, those who are here on site, and for those who are joining us by phone uh, conference call. We always like to uh, take time and intentionally say thank you for you taking the time to be with us, uh, to share the word of God with you. It is an honor to have uh, you to do so. We always want to make uh, that known to you, that we uh, don't take your uh, time nor your attention lightly. So we appreciate that. Let's pray, Father. We thank you for your many blessings that you blessed us with. We thank you for your loving kindness and tender mercies. Thank you for your provisions. Thank you for your protection. And now, O oh Lord, as we go into your word, to share with these your people, we pray that you'll open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our minds to understand, and our hearts to receive what it is that your spirit is saying to us, your church. And we thank you for these things. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to uh, start, we're going to uh, do or continue with a series we started last week titled The Pastor. Mm-hmm. That's what we're going to talk about, The Pastor. And uh, I'm going to reiterate some things that we said last week about uh, the pastoral ministry and um, and probably move on to some other things. But The Pastor is is one of the fivefold ministries that we find in the book of Ephesians, uh, uh, chapter four, wherein uh, the Apostle Paul said he gave some apostles and some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, and he did not just list those uh, offices or functions; he gave us the the, the meaning of them when he said that these offices, God gave us these gifts for the perfecting of the saints so that the saints can be matured or equipped um, so that they could work their ministry so that the entire body of Christ can be edified. And he goes on to say that we be no more children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. So it is important, very important, I believe, that, uh, we understand what these offices are. Even though we were focusing on the pastoral office um, last week and tonight, I want to um, make a statement that I believe that as far as the church that I'm mostly familiar with, the part of the church I'm familiar with, that we are grossly immature because we don't consistently have all five of those uh, gifts Operating consistently in our life, like it was five of them—the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, pastor, and the teacher. Most of us have overwhelmingly one, maybe two, but most Christians in America have only one of these gifts uh, consistently in their life. And it takes all, all five of these, and that's something that I hope uh, uh, and as a Spirit Lord give us clarity and give all of us more understanding and the need for these offices, that we do something about that. But we're really talking about the pastoral ministry uh, tonight, and the pastoral ministry is really that ministry that um, connects with the people. That's that's the part that the people connect. That's um, It's a hands-on type of ministry, a hands-on type of role. And some things that we talked last week about, uh, if I can go through that very quickly, um, we talked about the pastor being protectors. They protect the sheep, and the main thing that they protect from false doctrine. We live in an age that false doctrines and doctrines of demons, doctrines of devils are so prevalent in our culture today, and, and more so not just in the dominant culture, but within the Christian community. There are so many uh, false teachings out there, so many false teachings, out there, and we need, to, we need people to tell us, because sometimes, again, we talked last week about the nature of the sheep. Sheep are very gullible. They're easily led, docile, and, and many times a crowd of people, people, most humans are easily influenced. Sometime coming up, uh, you remember all the youth messages, and we hear a lot about peer pressure. But you know what I found out about peer pressure? The older you get, the worse peer pressure becomes. It's not just limited to children or adolescents. Uh, we are we are influenced tremendously by other people, and so and it takes a pastoral ministry, it takes uh, a, a person with the gifts of God working in them, to show us and to tell us that way is not the right way. Here is the truth. Here is the truth, and a lot of times that comes by teaching, and, and, and many of us, uh, many of us in uh, our Christian community, especially the black church, which, you know, I know I'm just using that term socially, black church, we love to be entertained. We love to, to hear good singing. Um, and, and most and – if you, let me pause there. I'm, I'm also a musician, and I write songs. Um, my little lullabies, I, I write a little bit. And uh, – but, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing – even the gospel industry is suffering because basically every Sunday morning we go to a, a lot of churches go to a major concert. We got the lights, the falls, you know everything. We got a you know five piece band, and I'm not saying nothing is wrong with that. But most of the budget now, especially with the black church, most of the budget goes toward the entertainment side, the musical side, and the music ministry we call it. And I don't mind the ministry part. Oh, that's fine. But what I'm saying is that we're putting less and less emphasis on teaching. We are investing less dollars on Christian literature, like Sunday school books. I guess we feel like we're smart enough. We don't need Sunday school anymore. And again, I don't care necessarily what you call it. I'm really talking about that teaching aspect of the ministry. Um, so we just want to show up right when the singing's about to start, uh, whatever, and, and uh, after the preacher been up 15 minutes, our attention span just wanders. So a lot of us, really, I'll, I'll say this again, many people in our Christian congregations have no clue what they believe. And they have no clue what the church they're a part of believes. They just like the way it makes them feel. I hope I make sense. All right? So, uh, the pastoral ministry is a protector. He is a protector. Um, also, there are rescuers. Jesus gives a, a story about a shepherd, and one of the sheep is lost, and Jesus said that that shepherd will leave the 99 because there's something about being within uh, numbers, within a family, within a congregation, that there's safety there. So the flock, the, the shepherd would leave the 99 and go look for the lost sheep. I'll say that. I'm coming back to that. I'm going to come back to that lost sheep. We should look for the lost sheep. We should. But the one that's just running away, i got time to be running out of hope. Uh, but i I'll come back to that. Because we should look for the lost one, the one that lost their way, kind of wandered, kind of fell through the whose Lifetime is, is, is taking a turn. Uh, we should look for them. So shepherds are rescuers. They are protectors. And they are feeders. They are feeders. Their job is to feed us, and we're going to look at Jeremiah in just a moment. They are also leaders. We uh, took some time and talked about this last week, how God, uh, Peter, rather, in First Peter chapter 5 and 2 said, uh, shepherd the flock of God among you by exercising oversight. Lead them. It's, you know, oversight means to lead. That's what the term uh, episcopus or bishop is, overseer. Look over them. Take oversight. Lead them. And, and, again, there's, a, there's such a cry for authentic leadership today. Everybody's talking about leadership. Um, and, and some of the stuff we need to kind of throw the garbage out, some stuff that we're hearing about leadership. But take oversight. Lead them. Don't force them. Not manipulate them. Don't use them to your advantage. Lead them. And, and just that term lead them implies that you're going somewhere. Um, when you're meeting someone, I believe there should be measurable progress among the Christian community. We should be able to see people's lives getting better. We should be able to see their family. generation should live a little bit better. Um, um, Lead them. Take oversight. Take them somewhere. That's that's what we mean by leaders, not just people who can speak well to a large crowd. That has its place, but that's not the only um, role of leadership. Take oversight, lead them. Give them tools to make their life better. Give them insight, knowledge, wisdom, um, skills to make their life better. We hear the okay, let's go to uh let's go to something else here. Jeremiah chapter uh three. This is one of the scriptures we hear every pastoral anniversary. Jeremiah chapter three, verse fifteen. Says, and I will give you pastors according to mine own heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. God tells the children of Israel, and if you read that whole chapter, um, part of this is God giving uh, them pastors to help leading them out of captivity. So, so God says, I will give you pastors after my heart, and those pastors after my heart will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Feed you with knowledge and understanding. That's why earlier I said that uh, the education piece, that knowledge piece, I think is, is a, a large part of that is missing among many of our churches. We need to invest more in educating our people, on providing them with information, knowledge. The pastor is supposed to feed the flock with knowledge and understanding, not necessarily friendship, okay? Sometimes we want the pastor to be our buddy. Not necessarily so. His job, their job is to feed you with knowledge and understanding. And may I point out that if you refuse the knowledge and understanding that they're trying to feed you, there's nothing really left for the pastor to offer you. Okay? So if you won't accept the knowledge that they're trying to give you, the principles that they're trying to teach, having another extra two-hour conference is not going to help. Okay? And let me pause there and say that a lot of times, this is part part of the lesson about pastoral boundaries. Sometimes pastors overstep their boundaries and and uh, engage in the congregation in an unhealthy way. They are anointed to feed the flock of God with uh, knowledge and understanding. You can't be there for people all the time, and I mean all the time. I'm not saying uh, do some uh, traumatic event, or death or sickness. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people want their pastor and sometimes they want to see them after the service, you know, they want them to come to their child's recital programs, football games, graduations, or they will in send a pastor to go check on their child at school. That's not the pastor's job. His job is to feed with knowledge and understanding, not necessarily be a step parent or children. I hope that's making sense. Because what has happened on, uh, um, to, to kind of protect the pastors. We've invested too much time in people. and Investing too much of our time, we have given ourselves out. Don't have enough time for your, your own family. Don't have enough time for you because you're always going and trying to be there for everybody else, and that's not necessarily your primary job as a pastor. The pastor's primary job is to feed you with knowledge and understanding, to guide you in the ways of the Lord. And if you refuse that, there's really nothing left for the pastor to give you. So again, I say another extra two hours after service really not going to help. It's really not going to help. So his job is to feed with, with knowledge and understanding. First Peter 5, then 2, uh, we mentioned that earlier. Feed the flock of God. There it is again. Feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly. All right. So, so the pastor's job is 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 a very and it is I, I will say time consuming. And in Hebrews as a scripture, hopefully we'll get to that. Yeah, Hebrews chapter thirteen. Let's go there real quickly and read that, and uh, we'll move on. Hebrews chapter thirteen and verse seventeen. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves. For they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. You know, there's a lot of pastors who pretty much hate their job. Seriously, they, they, they can't stand it, and they feel trapped. Pastors, this, it, is, it is quite a job, but the writer of Hebrews says when you submit yourself, and, you know, that they can do it with joy. Pastoring is supposed to be a joy, a pleasure, but when you find yourself fighting the pastor all the time or, you know, the pastor is always engaging in some conflict, it, 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 it doesn't become joyous anymore. It's not joyous. Anymore. It's grievous, And it's, it's an agitation. You know, some pastors develop um, stress related illnesses, high blood pressure, heart problems because of their job. Pastoring, dealing with people is a job. Somebody else say, man, you got a, a health professional here, nurse, school teachers, mothers, and, and all that. It's a job dealing with people. People are tripped, Amen. But the, the writer of Hebrews says that they do it with joy and not with grief, for it is unprofitable for you. Now, I'm not going to say on that tonight, but that, that un- unprofitable for you, that's very weighty. I don't hear that preached enough. Matter of fact, it's a long time since I really heard that preacher's taught. And I'm not going to get into it tonight. But earlier in that verse, it says, Obey the and have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, people have a problem with submitting. And I understand a lot of it is a way it's taught. Submission is not a bad word. Submission is not and doesn't have to be a negative thing. You know, we submit so that things can flow smoothly. If the pastor, if, number one, if the pastor, you know, has the heart of God, like the scripture Jeremiah, and I will give you pastors according to my own heart. If God gives you a pastor, that's a gift from God. And God has given you that gift to make your life better. It's kind of like a coach or a personal trainer, you know. Um that personal trainer that you hire or that coach that you on the team for, their job is to make you better, make you more skillful, make you more knowledgeable knowledgeable. And and but you have to to submit to what they're telling you to. For a personal trainer, you submit to the diet that they, they prescribe to you. Uh, You submit to the exercise regimen that they suggest to you. You submit to that. And for the pastor, that's exactly what you're supposed to do. Submit to their guidance, okay? Because their guidance should not overstep biblical boundaries. And if that's the case, submit to them, all right? Because a a God-given, Bible-believing pastor wouldn't tell you to do something uh, that's erroneous. So so, so Mitchell, don't just come with a grudge and, 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 and a fight to start with. You know, sometimes some Reformation, uh some churches have what they call uh Bible discussion. They don't have Bible class. They have Bible discussion and, and they hold some some classes the same way. In other words, they have somebody out there who's supposed to be the teacher. But some of these folks don't want to be taught, they want to discuss the word. There's a difference, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm not saying discussion doesn't have its place. All right. But your job is to submit to the pastor, not just discuss the word with him. So you've been coming to church 20, 30 years, and the pastor didn't talk to you nothing. You came to Bible class, yeah, you were faithful. But you didn't submit to the leadership. You ran the whole thing, telling your stories and your, your little insight. I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with that. But you need to submit to the leadership of the pastor because it is he who feeds you with knowledge and understanding, not necessarily well. Now, Not that the pastor can't learn from you, but God has alone and equipped you, or her to feed you with knowledge and understanding of the spirit. clear? Okay. And last week we also talked about, of course, this is from the first Timothy chapter three, given qualifications, of a leader or a pastor, which I won't spend a lot of time on that today, but suffice it to say, the Bible way is always better. Whenever we try to overstep biblical guidelines for leadership, we find ourselves, um, and we're seeing it now, anybody can, can be over a church. Anybody. Anybody. And I'm not going to get too upset by that tonight. Oh, I'm not going to throw that. All right, Um, some other things as far as the role of a pastor. Of course, we talked about, um, okay, let's look at six things here. Well, a few things. First of all, evangelism. Just because you still now have entered into the role of a pastor, doesn't mean that you stop evangelizing. It does not mean that you stop reaching out to lost souls. It, it, it doesn't mean that. Okay? I'm getting ready to make a statement. It is a statement, not a mm-hmm. verse. People have, have said it's a verse. There is no verse that says, sheep to get sheep. That's what it says. I've heard all my life. Sheep to get sheep. There's no verse in the scripture, in the 1611 King James Version of the Holy Bible that says sheep to get sheep, okay? Is it a fact? Absolutely, it's a fact. Everybody knows that a sheep going to have a sheep. (laughs) A dog going to have a dog, a cat going to have a cat, sheep going to have sheep, all right? So there ain't no deep revelation, sheep to get sheep, okay? And it's not a, a verse that says that. Now I I guess I understand what they're saying, you know. But at the same time, people have used that as an excuse for the pastor not to go out and witness or go out and, and, and share the gospel of Jesus Christ outside the walls of the church. Okay? And that's not what that's you know, so let's just let's 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 void that statement. Let's take it out of our tell sheep to get sheep. You know, I don't, I don't really see a big meatball going around saying that. That's what okay, that's in two sniff. Uh but I, I want to bring that up. Somebody need to know that. The Bible doesn't say she forgets. She, she. Evangelism is everybody's job. You know, sharing the love, the gospel, the truth of Jesus Christ is everybody's job. Okay? Everybody's
0: job. Okay? On down.
1: It's amazing. I, I'm going to say this. I am not Catholic. Well, I'm a part of a Universal Church, Catholic Universal, but I'm not part of the Roman Catholic Church. You know, never was, have no interest. Uh, but it's amazing. The Pope is, is supposedly be one of the most influential people in the whole world. Is is, is the Pope, and um, even this particular Pope Francis has has a quality about him that people love. Part of his quality is he's approachable. He's kind of humble, down to earth. He's touchable. He allow people to touch him, to have him. And that's 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 the Pope of millions. He the pastor of millions, literally millions of people. His congregation literally is worldwide. And he's touchable. He let people hug him, kiss him, he kissed the babies and stuff like that. What's wrong with some of our folks that ain't got nothing with people in their church? And got bodyguards? what's the matter with us, y'all? Okay, then when I get upset by that. But something is wrong with that picture. And then we fall back on this this proverbial phrase that we think is the verse sheep to get see. Devil is a liar. Come down off your high horse and mingle with the people. Huh? Amen. Amen. And and, and and why is it while I'm on that? Uh my brother said, uh we didn't really get into the conversation, but I kinda knew his thought pattern. Um and I've heard this of course, it's it's a phrase all of us are familiar with. The shepherd smells like the sheep because he's around them. Okay? This whole idea that the pastor has to be better than the congregation. I mean, come on, y'all, that's arrogance and pride. Okay? Okay, even when you think about the literal role of the shepherd, he feeds the, the, the sheep, fleeks with the, the sheep, you know. So he's around them. Why does the pastor and our the pastor got to live at the top of the hill, and the rest of us are just servants? And 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 in order for us to maintain the uh, uh, the chain of command, that you know, stay in place because the blessing that you know, that's on your leader. Excuse me, excuse me, y'all. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say all that. But we have a whole lot of perverted ideas about what it means to be a pastor, what it means to be a Christian leader. We, we it, It's perverted, and it's not healthy. Uh, it's It's not healthy.
0: They need to sit up. It's not healthy for them,
1: uh, for many of us. Okay, so let let me get back to share some other things, and uh, I I may pinpoint. I'll come back to that. Another thing that the pastor we talked about teaching, we talked about preaching. The Bible in Timothy says that the pastor should be apt to teach, able to teach. The pastor should have Teaching propensity, all right. That's part of your job function. That that's it should not be. Um, I've 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 known people who say, "Doc, teaching my fame, man." But you a pastor, apt to teach, able to teach. Okay. All right. Also, um, administering sacraments like baptism. If you're a pastor, you have to be able and preferably able bodied to do things like that. Baptize And again, baptism is not sprinkling. Baptism means baptism take them under the water. And so, as long as you able bodied or at least have an able bodied person um, uh, that you can delegate authority to baptize, you need to be able to do that because that's part of the pastoral ministry. Um, and it comes to a lot of civic things. Community, you need to be able to. Um, serve community. Know what it means. Explain it, okay, and serve community and do it with with uh elegance, do it with excellence, brightness serving the community. Read the scriptures, learn the scriptures, know the scriptures so that you can do it well. That's that's Listen, we got that from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. How dare we mess that up, fumbling and stuff. Practice what you're going to do. Have the people in place. Have the, the right type of sacrament. You know, uh, you can use uh, for unleavened bread. You can purchase it. Some people make it. Have the right things in place. Some people do it differently, so I can't tell you exactly how to do it. But however you do it, make sure it's done decently and in order. It's part of the role of the pastor to be able to serve communion to, for the congregation and to individuals. Sometimes they go to people who can't get to the church, the elderly, or those who are maybe sick in the hospital so. Be able and ready to do that. That is so important. And with these sacraments, we talk about baptism, we talk about communion, weddings. People have got um, men of God, women of God. Make sure you know how to do wedding. There's too many books out here ministerial guides, uh, ministerial handbooks, that can show you, tell you, it writes it all, all you have to do is read the script. Say, okay. please know that. When you go to a wedding, observe how it is. Now, I know nowadays I almost don't like going to a wedding. Everybody doing their own thing. There's, there's almost no traditional wedding. I've, I've, I haven't been to a traditional wedding, and I don't know when. I haven't. It's been a long time since I've been through a traditional wedding. Um But, but, but suffice it to say, learn how to do wedding. There's too much information for us to haphazardly not know how to do it. Anything, anything. Okay? Go to the rehearsals. That's part of your job. Go to the rehearsals. And, and I will say this, and I know somebody of my new people won't like it. The minister does have something to say about what's going on in the way. The minister does have something to say about what goes on in the wedding, okay? Especially if it's in their their church that they pastor. Yeah, yes, yeah, they absolutely do. They absolutely do. And, and 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 while I'm saying that, make sure pastors that the weddings you do are are are, are things that are done again decently and in order, that's honorable. Okay, I'm not going to get all into it, and I'm not as, as uh, you know, conservative, you know, I'm not hyper-conservative. But some things, are just, just a trip. Some things just, just, a, just a trip. So know how to do weddings. Kind of know what side the, the groom and bride should stand on. Because some of these people that call themselves directors, or the directors of weddings, wedding, they have no clue what they're doing, y'all. They're just trying to do better than one of these so they'll let anything come. They'll let them float down from the ceiling if they can. I'm being I'm being very sure. So kinda know simple things like that. Know what to say, when to say. Uh but sometimes you know you got a, a nervous bride, nervous queen, um and a nervous preacher, those are bad combinations for a wedding. <laughs> bad combination for wedding. Uh so kinda, kinda know that stuff. And when you go to wedding is we just get attention of what's going on, Pay attention of the order, things that they. All right, I, I guess I'm in preachers' class now. Um, sound like my daddy. Schools, um, another thing. It's a civic responsibility, um, especially the committing the body to the ground. That's a civic act that needs to be done well. That needs to be done decently and in order. If you're a pastor, you got to know how to do that. You know they ask you to pray. actually pray or something, and, and you praying like, praying for revival. And listen, nothing wrong with praying for revival, but you had a funeral. You had a great disaster. And so you is praying for souls of these things, yes, Lord, and, and come back right now, Lord. Come with your mighty That's not the time for all of you. Your pastor, you got to know these things because you represent the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm tired of people, especially in the context of especially the charismatic black church, that we don't know what we're doing. Then we blame it on being led by the Holy Ghost. You no, know, Um let's go with these So the uh, administration of the sacraments, baptism, communion, um, weddings, funerals, dedication of, of children. These are some of the things that that you are expected to do and to know how to do well, all right? Another thing is this pastoral care healing, and this comes in the line of, like, counseling. This really deserves another, you know, two-hour session, but, uh, but suffice it to say, know what you're getting into. If it's beyond your pay grade, refer them. Okay, if you're a pastor, just refer them. Don't get tied up in something that you don't know about. Just just refer them. it doesn't say anything against who you are or what you know. Listen, this is just kind of beyond me. I know somebody or I know an agency or whatever that could probably help you more than I could. Okay. So a lot of people have lives been mess up you know, because they're trying to do what the pastor says. And and, and listen, you know, they trust the pastor that way. But pastor, when people trust you, sometimes they become vulnerable. When they open themselves to you, they are vulnerable. They will do exactly what you say. Because, again, most times you deal with people on the negative side of life, and so they run to you in a crisis. "What, What should I do? What should I do? What should I do? And we say that because we're the pastor, we have to have all the answers. No, just pray, you know. Well, I'll be praying that the Lord give you understanding. You know what I say? That Lord you understand, that's to what you ought to do. But sometimes we can't make the decision for them. Just dealing with a situation. I've dealt with this a couple times. Uh, A loved one in the hospital, really bad condition. And uh, one of those things that the doctors recommended, there's nothing more we can do uh, when or do you want to take them off life support. Don't make that decision for them. I don't care if they do ask you. Don't make that decision for them. Again, you you, you share with them, you know, facts. You try to comfort them. You pray with them um, and encourage them to do what they think is best. But don't try to make that decision for them because it'll come back on you. They'll blame you. It's your fault that something happened. Or well, I did this because you say so. Same thing with the man. If they come to you in a crisis, what shall I do? Don't just say stay on. Or, uh or, or lead. Don't you know? You explain the word of God to them. You try to get them through this crisis, but don't make decisions for people. It's it's not your place to do that as a pastor. It's not. And many people I know, many lives have been messed up because of that. Families broken up, people hurt <laughs> up. You know, because of that. So pastoral counseling is important but know your boundaries of it. Here's something else. A lot of young pastors get involved with this. Don't run to every crisis. Don't run to every crisis that come up in the church. You got to put fires out out of every every meeting. You know, something happens, you run to try to do this. Uh, 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 A husband and wife arguing. You run to the house, try to stop them from arguing and fucking and fighting. You know, child, stop fighting somebody at schoolhouse. You run. You cannot run to every crisis. That's not your job as a pastor, and that's not our job. Those y'all you know, who think we should, so you can call me, and I hear y'all yelling in the background. You know, well, listen. Um, I hope y'all work it out. But I'm not gonna go over there in the middle of all that. Amen. I'm not going Yeah, I, I hope y'all work it out. Y'all need you to call somebody? You know, I'll call 911 for you. But don't look for me to come trying to stop a fight. Get hot water thrown on me and stuff. Uh-uh. That's a lie. I'm telling y'all stuff I know now. I'm telling y'all stuff I don't see firsthand. Um, so don't run to every crisis. We're not Superman. And most preachers. Most preachers, especially the ones that think they're good, have this Messiah confidence. We just think we've got to fix everything. And it's not our job to try to fix everything. Okay? So stop. Stop running. You know, child, you come to the path my child doing bad at school. You run out there to the schoolhouse. That's a job. I mean, you know, um, because we can do that for you know, probably a congregation less than 100 a 100 or so. What if the congregation grows beyond that? You can't micromanage all these people, you know. And and you got this type special pastor, got this type of A personality. You got to be involved in everything, You've got to do everything. It's, I'm really trying to help out. That's what I'm trying to do. So you, you, you have a, have this pastor, and they, they appoint somebody over the usher board, but then run the usher board. What's the point in appointing somebody over it if you're going to run it? You're tiring yourself. You're wasting yourself. Listen, remember in Exodus, Moses leads uh, in estimate over 6 million people out of Egypt. Okay? He gets them out there in the desert. He's listening to their problems, the Bible says, from sun up to sun down. He's listening to all these folk problems. And he's judging them or telling them what to do. He's been a good pastor. The one, God ain't never called him to be a pastor. I'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that in the blessing. Uh, uh, but, but the other thing, his father-in-law, which is a wise man, look like, what well, he tells Moses. Because we think the good pastor, I just love, he had the same thing in our uh, past four anniversary. I just love my pastor. He's always there for me whenever I have a problem, you know, all that. You know what? The told Moses, he said, you know what, boy? You're wearing yourself out and you're wearing the people out. What you do ain't good. So to the power that's always there for everybody, Bishop Jethro said, you wasting yourself away and you wasting the people. It's not good for the people and it's not good for you. Jethro said, it was Jethro's idea, choose you men of honor, elders, and let them rule over the people. And the hard matters, let them bring them to you. Jethro came up with that. That's where we get the whole assembly and the spirit of uh, God to the spirit of the most That's what I did. That's what idea. idea. Why? Because you got pastors who want to run everything. And you should see them. They got us, us, and they're still running off the pulpit trying to seek people. Trying to direct the choir, sing the praise and worship, so tell the musicians to they're too loud, run the sound. Those type of people wear themselves out. And they wear the people out, y'all. I'm telling you what I know. Just it's, it's running all over the place. I mean, by the time the time the priest, they're out of breath. But they don't they done usher, ran the sound, over the phrase. What y'all make shift I I I must be preaching good tonight, y'all. But listen. You weigh yourself out. That's not your primary role as pastor. Now, at first, when there's nobody else to do that, sure, you have to take on a lot more responsibility. But as people come and you're able to relinquish some of that, let it go. And let it go. Don't report them and then take it back from them. And here's something else. When you appoint somebody over these different auxiliary or ministries, like your music or your ushers or, or different things, don't take it back. Let them take it. Sink or swim. Let them take it. Because it'll never grow on its own if you're always involved in it, and then we wonder why some of these ministries dry up and die when the primary leader, you know, gets sick or, or dies.
0: Part of it is their fault. Maybe I need to do a leadership conference or something to help
1: some of um, these people. And that's another thing, uh, Pastor, uh, uh when his duties are, is to delegate authority. You know, the first, second tier, or the secondary leadership uh, establishment in the church are the deacons. And listen, what they said: the apostles said, "We need these people in place so that we can give ourselves to to, to prayer and the study of the word." So again, I believe the primary job is is the spiritual component of these offices. Yes, and we're going to talk about the next thing in just a moment, because also it's passage job for social outreach. Um, in Ezra, chapter 34, it talks about stripping the people and the people-minded. Um, we need to be visible in social outreach. When things uh, or needs arises, you know, I believe it's the men of God, the women of God, the, the pastors, the leaders, the Christian leadership that should be the first responders in the community. Uh, I remember 9-11 when that happened in New York. And there was this. Uh, and he was a, a Catholic. I think this was Catholic or Episcopalian. But he would always go there in his collar. And you know, some people got to tell him. So he would work, not just stand there, but he would just go. Your know, work is needed. Your counsel. He'll you know, help mutual survivors. Because you know that whole thing went on for weeks. And um, if he always would go in his collar. And his reason for doing that, going in his collar, because he was that. Because he wanted to be sure that the world knew that the church was represented in this part. That's honorable. That's honorable. And I say we should, you know, um, when something happens in the community, we should be the first ones to care. You know, we should be the ones that provide an answer. one of the scriptures I love that says the priest lips to keep knowledge, but he is the message of the Lord. Everybody else saying something. Why should not we respond to what's going on? All right. Um, and, of course, there are some administrative things that the pastor has to no, And uh, remember in First Timothy talks about the pastor being able to manage his own house and if he can manage his own house, how can he manage the house of God? So the pastor does have to do administrative things um, and be knowledgeable of them. And in this day and time, and this is something um, I'm personally going through having, you know, as true soon evolves and grows or whatever, having established some things Um, it's getting much more harder to start a ministry now with all of the tax laws are changing and all of the spotlight being on certain ministries and all of that. It's it's, it's very, it's more difficult than it was years ago. You have to have this stuff together now. Um, And so we need to be uh, up on what are the tax laws for quote unquote nonprofit organizations, religious organizations. What are our guidelines? Because, you know, and it's going to get worse. They're going to come in and start asking to see financial records and all of that. Um, anything the enemy can do to intimidate God's people, he's going to do that. So we need to know these things. Um, keep the stuff in order. Have records. Know what the tax laws are. Keep good records. I mean, be transparent as or as transparent you can be with financial matters. Um, um 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 do that because there's a lot of people had good ministries um but didn't know how to handle the money and it sometimes it wasn't just their intention, they just didn't know how to handle the money. It wasn't that they was taking it. You know, they just didn't know how to handle the money. So I encourage, you know, um pastors to, to really be up on it and those who assist and help pastors in leadership um step on the stuff. Wood and the soldiers is a good organization. It does a whole lot of information to religious it. organization. Um, Larry Burkett, and um, I can't remember who's past, but I can't remember the guy who's over that ministry now. Very good information is always provided to the issues of a small, medium, or large congregation to help you. Um, there's something else about. Yes. Shepherds take care of sheep. There's a proverb that says, Know well the state of your flock. That means inventory. Even people that you appoint to certain positions, know them. Don't just put anybody over God's sheep. got to know them. Let them prove themselves first. I don't care what they say. Say their credentials are. Say their experiences are. It is the job of the pastor to make sure whoever you put over these people in any capacity that they won't abuse or mishandle God's people. Um, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on in the world. You know, I can't just uh, tell you what to do, but, you know, uh, people who have worked with children, do a background check on them. Number one, do a spiritual background check on them. Pray that. Ask the Lord to show you stuff. But then do a background check. Do an FBI, whatever. Pay for it. Okay? I mean, because is something come up, it's worth to know who's among them. All right? And we not necessarily say you can't. Now, if the law says you can't be within certain feet of children, then I'm sorry. You still have to come back when it's an all-adult session or something. But, you know, know know what the Bible says. Know them that labor among you. Know them that labor among you. So when we start asking questions, that's why. We're trying to protect our sheep. It's not just me being nosy. We're trying to protect our sheep. All right? Listen, bro, I heard you got arrested. I ain't saying it all out loud you now. You know, everything all right? Now, what was that charge now? We got to know. These days and times people come just a, a week ago or so. Somebody walked into a church, shot up uh, the pastor, his girlfriend, and the girlfriend's baby. That's crazy stuff going on. All right. Our time is up. That's what we have. Um, Probably something was said tonight in Truth Zone that you you learned, that you had information or uh, was inspired on, that we we hope uh, to bring insight to the role and responsibility of the pastor. It's an honorable role, but it's a role that has been misused and abused. Pastors have been abused themselves and pastors. With uh people. And I think once we all have better understanding what is the role and responsibility, then we all can inspect what we expect, okay, inspect what we expect. Um, because the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're some of the greatest people on, on the face of the earth. All right, God has a tremendous uh, job and tremendous assignment for us to do in assisting him with the reconciliation and restoration of all things. Um, we want to, uh, again, announce, so we're now having Sunday uh, morning services at 11. Our Sunday location uh, is 1719 South Irby Street on South Carolina. It's stocked. It's the uh, event center. We have different things. perceptions there, It's um, Rival Irby Street. You turn. It's at the restaurant, Willie and James. Willie and James. You turn right, right at there. You will see the event hall right there on the left. So right there on Irving Street, tell somebody, send somebody, bring somebody to the throne. Uh, so pray for us and this Deborah. There's some other things that we have going on, and we'll tell you about that after weeks. Um, after weeks come. So God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us. Peace and blessings to you. God bless you and good night.